0: right are you ready for god's word let's open our bibles now to the gospel of john john chapter 4 verse 34. john chapter 4 verse 34 may i request everyone to please stand for the reading of god's holy word let's read this together it's just one verse my food said jesus Is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work may God bless us as we read his word please take your seats so brethren today we're going to finish our series on forward this will be our last part part 8 finish you're not done until you're done. It's the most important thing. We had our dream. We pursued it with all persistence. We prayed over it. We performed well. But if we don't finish it, everything you've done amounts to nothing. Right? So this is the most important thing. Finish what God has committed you to do there's a saying it's not how you start that's important but how well you finish right it's not how good you start that matters it's how you finish it so many people have started well they had a very good start but if you're not able to finish it you know it's so sad we find some men and women in the bible they had good beginnings for example you know samson he was set apart since birth you know god gave him strength but somehow along the way he got distracted with women can you imagine that he was given this strength but his strength was overcame with what with beautiful women what about Jehoshaphat? Jehoshaphat was used by God. He, you know, he was a very good king. But towards the end, he compromised his faith by working together with an evil king, King Ahab. What a very bad decision. We also have King Saul. King Saul was the first king chosen by God. He was good at first, but towards the end, his heart was filled with pride and jealousy. And hatred. The Holy Spirit left him. And of course, Judas, he was with Jesus for three years. He saw Jesus' miracles, he heard all the sermons, experienced miracles up after miracles, and yet, towards the end of his life, sold his Savior. They all had good beginnings, brethren, but did not end well. It's not how you start, it's how you finish. It's how you complete God's work. But in this series, we also learned about men and women who had a good start, experienced a lot of difficulties along the way, but because of faith and endurance and commitment, they finished well. Remember Joseph. Joseph went through a lot from his brothers from his masters, but eventually, because he trusted the Lord, he pursued his dream with commitment, you know, fulfilled the plan of God. He saved so many lives because he was was faithful to the Lord. You know Noah, we talked about Noah last Sunday, right? Remember him? He was 600 years old. He was old when God called him. But the Bible says, he did everything commanded by the Lord. He accomplished his task build the ark, save animals, tried to preach to people, but nobody listened. We learn about Nehemiah. See? He was commanded by God. He, God's dream for him was to rebuild the, the walls of Jerusalem. And in 52 days, with endurance, with persistence, and with so much prayer, he completed what God had commanded him to do. And of course, we studied about Paul. Paul, who used to be a persecutor of the church, became a very aggressive missionary of our Lord Jesus Christ. He completed his task, planted the church, wrote 13 books in the New Testament. That's why Paul could say, I am ready. You know, I have fought a good fight. I have finished the race. That's what the choir sang. I have kept the faith. Amen? Friends, I hope that each of us as believers, like Paul, we can say with all confidence that, Lord, I have pursued your plans. I have persisted. I have prayed. I have performed well. And Lord, I have completed your task. Wonderful men and women, we can follow their examples. But brethren, there's no other person and character in the Bible that can clearly set the example about finishing well than our Lord Jesus Christ. He himself, like this man, you know, this is how the Bible described them like palm trees flourishing and growing planted in the house of the Lord still bearing fruit in old age and they will stay fresh and green and that is exemplified by our Lord Jesus Christ you know God has given him a mission he lived his entire life fully committed to that mission, set aside all distractions, face all opponents, and one mission to finish the work of the Father. Jesus Christ is our ultimate example, brethren. He is our ultimate model in finishing well, because indeed He is the author and the finisher of our faith. And this is so important. Look at this who for the joy that was set before him notice this he endured the cross see despising the shame can you imagine this the god of heaven the god who co-created the universe adored by the angels and the saints in heaven came down and he was despised by men he was rejected He suffered under the hands of men, men created supposedly in His image. And you know what? He took all those pain and shame just to complete the work of the Father. And as a result, notice what happened. He sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Friends, that's The life of Jesus ought to be our life. Now, I'm not saying that you ought to be crucified. Although the Bible says Jesus Christ said it many times, if you want to follow me, be willing to take up your cross. Because following me will not lead you to the road of comfort, but to the road of what? Character development. The Holy Spirit wants to develop Jesus Christ's character in each of our lives. That's the goal of Christianity. It's not comfort in this world. A lot of people tried to live the best of both worlds. But let's face it, brethren, this earth is not our home. We are meant for glory. Glory. We are just strangers and aliens and passers-by. But our our eternal home is to be with Him. And so along the way, we need to understand that life here as a journey, we have a mission to accomplish. And that is to do the work that Christ has committed to us. Now, Jesus Christ was so committed to finishing that even in one of His lessons, you know, He was talking about the cost of following him this is what jesus said in luke 14 28 suppose one of you wants to build a tower won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it i mean you don't want to start something you can't finish right so you have to estimate you have to know do do i have enough money see and then jesus went on to say for if you lay the foundation and are not able to finish it everyone who sees it will ridicule you saying this person began to build and wasn't able to finish you see and it's so embarrassing and the point of jesus here is this when you follow me you must pay the cost when you follow me you have to understand that I have to finish what I start. You and I need to finish well, brethren. Maybe you've known some people claiming to be Christians, you know, they were so active, you know, did so many things for the work of the Lord, but then towards the end of their life, they have backslidden. Good start, bad ending. For a true follower of Jesus Christ, It doesn't matter how you start. It's how we end. Amen? It's how we face the ending of our life. We end victorious. Jesus already set the pace. In John 5, 36, Jesus said, For the works that the Father has given me, to finish the very works that I am doing, testify that the Father has sent me. And it's the same thing for you and me, brethren. If we are able to finish the work of Christ, then it is a testimony to the world that you and I are sent by our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? And so, even Jesus Christ, towards the end of His life, He spoke the most important word. See, when He was hanging on the cross, the most important word that Jesus uttered, tetelestai. It is finished. Now, I'm not going to preach the seven last words of Christ this morning. (laughs) You know? There is a special service for that, you know, a few or many weeks from now. But that's the point, brethren, of Christ's life. He started well, but He also finished well. Everything that needs to be done so that you and I and every person elect by our Lord, there is nothing we can add to what Jesus accomplished. Amen? Salvation has been done. Christianity is not a doing religion. It's a done religion. Everything that people must do in order for us to reach heaven was already accomplished by our Lord. That's why we are saved by faith. And you don't have to add anything to that because jesus said it is finished what is finished is finished friends let us learn from our lord he finished well we need to finish well brethren so god wants you to finish well just like our Lord Jesus Christ. So this morning, I'd like us to survey the life of Jesus and learn five principles to finish well like Christ. And this is such a good timing because we are ending our series and we end with Christ. And, and just to give you a preview, our next series will be about the life of Christ. So, we've been talking about practical things for this, you know, two months. And then for another two months, we are going back to doctrine. We are going to study Christology. So, this will start. This will serve, you know, the ending of this sermon will serve as what? An introduction to the next sermon series that we are going to have. You know, beginning next Sunday, it's Communion Sunday until Resurrection Sunday. I think Resurrection Sunday is April, what? April 17? Okay? So, so, we are going to talk about Jesus. This Jesus, He's the main message. He's the main message and you and I are the messengers. In order for us to get the message across clearly, we need to understand our message. Do you really know your Christ? A lot of people today wants to live the life of being a Christian but they are ignorant of the Christ that they believe in so that's the whole thing we're going through a doctrinal series for the next few Sundays. so for now five principles to finish well these are principles that we find in the life of Jesus why is it that Jesus Christ was so determined to finish well What can we find in, you know, the different situations of the life of Christ? Are you ready? All right, let's begin with the first principle. Here's the first thing we can learn from our Lord Jesus Christ. Stay focused on your dream with steadfastness. Focus. Without focus, brethren, it's so easy for us to get get so what? Distracted. See? We know this because this is an everyday struggle right I, I don't know have you experienced this you you go to the mall and you have this plan i want to buy this but then as you go there you pass by this store you pass by this boutique and then you're so distracted that at the end of the day you go home and realize what they palit ang akong gusto paliton <laughs> have you experienced that i've experienced that many times <laughs> you know we are so distracted but you know not jesus he was so focused. He was so determined on what the Father, you see? Jesus Christ here on earth was limited. He was only to live 33 years. He has to make those thirty years count. Every single moment count. Friends, we, you and I, we don't have eternity in this earth. <laughs> we all have limited time. And you know, Satan, Satan's work, Satan's mission is for you and me to waste those times but jesus never wasted notice this john 4 31 to 32 this is right after remember in john chapter 4 jesus was talking to this samaritan woman remember while while the disciples went ahead to look for food jesus was talking so it was you know it was it was whole day talking jesus did not eat anything see so when the disciples came back while the disciples urged him rabbi eat something but he said to them I have food to eat that you know nothing about then his disciples said to each other could someone have brought him food I mean it's whole day you know we left him early this morning but now it's afternoon and still he's not eating and then Jesus said this my food Jesus said is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. You see the disciples were distracted. They were for food, you know? You know it's you know it's snack time, you know, you were hungry. You know a lot of times we are distracted from God's dream for us for simple things, recreation, food. Can you imagine this? They missed that day's work because they were just looking for food. See how the devil can easily distract us from our mission? And Jesus said, don't you have a saying? It's still four months until harvest. I tell you, open your eyes. Look at the field. They are ripe for harvest. You see? For Jesus, He's so focused. Even if He's hungry, He knew that His life on earth is not about stomach. It's about doing the will of God so stay focused brethren he was so focused that he will not allow food to be a distraction to his work luke chapter 4 verse 42 when it was day he departed and went into a desolate place and the people sought him and came to him and would have kept him from leaving them you see people were so attracted to Christ, not just because of His teaching, because of His authority in preaching, but they were also drawn to Him because of the freebies, you know, the snacks, the entertainment, oh, miracles. See, these are the curious people. They want to see, oh, this time, what tricks is He going to do? And so, they wanted Jesus. They wanted to keep Him. And it's not that Jesus Christ is so unconcerned with the lives of, and the needs of people, and this is what Jesus said. I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God to other towns as well. For I was sent for this purpose. See, he stayed focused. It's so easy for Jesus to be distracted. You know, people love him. You know, Lord, stay more, stay for a few more days here, Lord. We will provide your food. And sometimes it's easy for us to get distracted, right. You know, just stay here. You know, we will give you all the, the comfort that you need. And it's so easy for Christ to say yes to those invitations. But Jesus knew when to say no. No. I'm not here to be entertained by you or to entertain you. The reason I the Father sent me was to preach the gospel to people. See? Jesus stayed focused, you know, on the dream of God. Matthew 16:21. Are you familiar, with Matthew 16? This is the part when where Jesus said, "You know, who do you think people say that I am?" And people said many things, right? But then Peter says, "You are the Christ." The Son of the Living God, you know. From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hand of the elders. So he is now telling them, Yes, I am the Christ, the Son of the Living God, and and you're so happy that you're a disciple of me. But guess what? I'm going to suffer. I'm going to die. You know, at the hands of the chief priests, the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. That's the truth. And here's Peter. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Take note, rebuke him. This is the impulsive Peter. (laughs) Never, Lord. See? This shall never happen to you. So Peter is acting as if the hero here trying to tell Jesus, you should not suffer. You're the Son of God. You're the Messiah. We are going to protect you. And you know how Jesus Christ you know, replied to Peter? Jesus turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. So this is where you find Jesus Christ, the other side of Jesus. See? Get behind. Get behind me, Satan. You're a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. You know what's going on here? Peter was trying to stop Jesus from suffering. And again, Jesus said, you know how I wish things would be like that, but that's not the plan of God. See? A lot of times, even our close friends would stop us from following God's plan. Telling us, you should not go that path. You know, that's impractical. You should stay here. You should stay there. Friends, listen. When you give advice to your friends, make sure that you are not a stumbling block of God's plan for their lives. Make sure that what you're saying is really biblical. Because you could be the reason, listen, you could be the reason why that person will not pursue God's plan for his or her life. We have to be very careful. So here, Peter was acting on his what? On his own human discernment. Not from God. But again, Jesus was focused on his dream and says, you are not acting as Peter. You're like Satan, Peter. You don't know what you're saying. The reason why I came is for me to die. And you should not stop me. See? Stay focused to your dreams with steadfastness. Second, here's the second principle. Fight temptations with a sword. Fight temptations. Friends, in our journey, temptations will come. Remember? Satan knows God's dream for you also okay he knows and it's not that he knows because he's all-knowing no he's not all-knowing he cannot read our minds he cannot read our hearts but he can listen and he can see see he's observing and so the devil would tempt us would give us so many temptation to distract us from what from finishing well And that even happened to our Lord Jesus Christ right after the baptism of our Lord. The Bible says, the tempter came to him and said, if you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Remember, Jesus had just had his 40 days and 40 nights of fasting. The devil was simply observing, oh, by this time you must be so hungry. And so the devil says, well, you're the Son of God, you can always do the shortcut. (laughs) You don't have to wait, you know, you don't have to go to the city and buy bread. You have in your hands the ability to turn these stones to bread. You see there, brethren? The temptation for shortcuts. You know, this is the easy way, you know. Nobody will know. See, no one is watching. This is the easy way for you to go. You see, sometimes or many times, that is the dilemma of Christians. Sometimes we are so anxious to reach our dreams that when they are, there are opportunities for shortcuts to compromise our faith, we're quick. We are quick to get the bait. See? Be careful. How do you fight temptation? You know, how did Jesus fight temptation of the devil you know how jesus answered in verse 4 jesus answered it is written man shall not live by bread alone but on every word that comes from the mouth of god you know how we fight temptation brethren the sword of the spirit we need to read. We need to meditate. We need to memorize scriptures. You know why? It is the scripture that will guard our minds. It is the scripture that will remind us that's not the ways of God. See? Without the scripture in our minds, it's so easy for us to what? Say yes to any invitation. But it is the word of God stuck in our brain, in our hearts that will remind us this is not right this is not the way Christians do things see we fight temptation that's how Jesus fought the devil he fought the devil with the sword of the spirit and remember Ephesians 6:17 Christians we are always in a warfare remember we are not civilians remember in in another passage Paul in 2 Timothy chapter 2 verse 2 and 3, Paul says, we are soldiers of Christ and soldiers don't get entangled with civilian affairs. And as soldiers, the Bible says, we need to armor ourselves. And one important offensive armor that we have is the sword of the Spirit. What is the sword of the Spirit? The Word of God. That's our sword. Amen? That's how we fight. And that's the reason why every time we worship, we congregate here, we don't just, we don't just take snacks of the word. <laughs> you know, somebody asks, Pastor, why is it in your church there's so many verses? So many verses. Well, my simple answer is this. Well, that's how we prepare our people for war. We don't just give them one ammunition. We are not here to have snacks on God's will. No! Every worship service is a feast of the Word of God. We're feasting. Why? Because out there, the moment we get out from this church, the warfare is going on. Satan is ready with all his mighty weapons. And so we need, we as Christians, when we gather to worship the Lord, we are also What? preparing our ammunition the Word of God that's why we don't just study one verse if we need to study chapters we need to study chapters we need to fill our minds with a sword that's how we fight so that we can finish well third principle face your fears with surrender and this is something very unique to our Lord because in our world we face our fears with what you know, you have to be strong. You know you have to be strong-willed, see. But not with our Lord, you know. When Jesus Christ was living his life towards towards the end, you know, towards the you know the night before his death, the night before his death, most the the saddest night of christ's life and this is now the the junction where his human nature and his divine nature somehow clashes see he took peter james and john with him and he began to notice this to be troubled and deeply distressed very emphatic words Troubled. It's like there's war going on inside. See? Because he knew. He knew the pain. He knew the pain of those nails piercing his hands. He knew the pain of of those thorns piercing his head. See? The mocking, the the fludging. See? He knew that. He's human. He became a man as we are. Then he said to them, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful. Notice the words. I'm using Mark's account because it is Mark that gives us, you know, emphatic words that describe what Jesus felt on that day. My soul is exceedingly sorrowful even to the point of death. And so he says, stay here and watch. What's going on there? He, Jesus now is, is filled with with fear, the fear of what, the fear of death, the fear of of, of of all the pain and suffering, you know again, Jesus was so determined to obey the Father, but you need to understand the pain that Jesus felt was real, the cross was real, the, the suffering was real, and more than that, he knew that few hours from there. More probably more painful than the nail, the thorns, are the abandonment from the very people that he loved. They all abandoned him except John. See? The fear. So as, as we pursue God's plan, as we obey God's plan, friends, the reality of life bites. See? The tension. The sufferings, the pain, it's real. And you know what Jesus did? He went a little farther and fell on the ground and prayed. Notice, this is, notice the content of his prayer. Pray that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. That's the temptation there. The fear of, of, of pain, the fear of, of death. His prayer was, Lord, can this portion of my life pass by you know can can this cup of suffering pass by and then jesus said abba father all things are possible for you take this cup away from me but then jesus says nevertheless not what i will but what you will you see there how jesus christ faced fears with what with surrender Friends, when we come to those moments in life when we are so terrified by the reality of life, terrified with the thought of death, maybe, I don't know with you, but more than... I'm not afraid of my own death, probably. But the greatest fear is the fear of the death of the people that we love. Right? I mean, all of us are willing to say, Lord, can I have the sickness? Can I have the disease, Lord? Losing. And if Jesus Christ was suffering there, the Father was also suffering in heaven. Right? But the Father and the Son knew exactly this thing must happen. Why? Because this will produce more than our own happiness. It's the salvation of people. And there you find the very heart of God. The very heart of God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. It's always for people. Amen? Surrender. So the point is this. Jesus had all the right. He had all the power to exit at that moment. But no. He was determined to finish well despite the fear. And how He faced the fear? He surrendered. Lord, all things are possible with you. And that's what, must, what, that's what must, we must do, brethren. When we come to that junction in our lives where we don't know what to do because we are simply overwhelmed, gripped with fear and anxiety, the only thing we do is, Lord, Thy will be done. I don't have to do anything. Just surrender to You, Lord. Thy will be done, Lord. Give him the will. You don't have, you don't have to take control of your life. You know? That's what Jesus did. And you know what? After that, Jesus was willing to face. See? He was willing to face even death. Why? Because he has totally surrendered his life to the will, the Father. Number four. Fix your eyes on the goal with sureness. Fix your eyes on the goal. What's the goal? See? Why do you think Jesus Christ was willing to go to the extent of suffering and even dying? What's the goal? What's the goal of all this? Notice John 17. John 17 is a long prayer of our Lord. You don't find this in the other Gospels, you don't find this in the synoptic Gospels, you don't find this in Mark, in Matthew, in Luke. Only John was able to record what Jesus prayed in Gethsemane. You know why? Because I think it was John whose heart and eyes and mind was keen on what's happening with the Lord. That even during the, 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 the saddest and lowest point of Christ's life, John was there. And so John was used by the Holy Spirit to record what Jesus prayed. After Jesus said this, he looked toward heaven and prayed. See, it's literal. He looked toward heaven and prayed. He was literally fixing his eyes to heaven. The hour has come. Glorify your son that your son may glorify you glorify your son that your son may glorify you for you granted him authority over all people that he might give eternal life to those to all those you have given him see and this is very doctrinal friends listen you have granted him authority jesus has the authority he has the keys of heaven all right He has granted authority over all people that He might give everlasting life to all. Take note, those you have given Him. Friends, salvation is only to those who have been given to Christ. That's the doctrine of election. If you are saved, it's not because of your decision. You are born again, you are saved, you are chosen eternally by God. See? It's very clear in that verse. The eternal life is given only to those you have given Him. Now, this is eternal life. Okay, what is eternal life? That they may know you, the only true God. And friends, know there, listen, this is very crucial. Know there in Greek is ginosko. It's a personal knowledge, relational knowledge. That's why we always say Christianity is a relationship. See? It's not head knowledge. The head knowledge is oida. That's Greek. But the Greek that Jesus used here is an intimate knowledge. So what is eternal life? Eternal life is what you get, is what I get when I have what? An intimate knowledge of the Father and the Son. Intimate. In other words, it's a relationship. It's not religion. Eternal life is not what you get when you join a religion. No. Eternal life is what you get when you have a relationship with Jesus. So question, do you have that relationship of Jesus today? Are you sure? Are you 100% sure that you're saved? Do you have that relationship with Christ? And probably you're saying, I don't know, Pastor. Well, before I continue, something might happen. Before I continue, let me tell you this. How can you get eternal life? It's when you believe. When you trust. And there are so many words when you accept. When you take Him into your life. See, they they all mean the same thing when you make Jesus Christ part of your life in a personal level, the Bible says you will not perish, but you will have everlasting life. You don't get everlasting life by joining a religion. It's joining a relationship with our Lord Jesus Christ. And Jesus said in verse 4, I have brought you glory on earth. How? By faith finishing the work you gave me to do you see that jesus was fixed his eyes was fixed on the goal and what is really the goal of everything friends sometimes a lot of us miss the point the real goal of everything of all the plan of god of dying on the cross of saving people is this the glory of god see that's the goal i thought pastor the goal is to save us to go to heaven No, that's just part of the means. The end is really that God the Father is glorified. When you and I reach heaven, God is glorified. You know why? Because you and I can never go to heaven apart from the work of Christ. No human being can enter heaven apart from believing in the death, Burial and resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. No one can be saved. Salvation is indeed exclusive. There are no many ways to heaven. There's only one way to heaven. And for that way to be finished, Jesus has to die on the cross and to rise again from the grave. And that's the whole point. That's the goal. Lord, the Father, I am bringing you glory by finishing the work you gave me to do. Friends, that's the goal. The goal is not for me to reach heaven. The goal is for the Father to be glorified when I reach heaven. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence, take note, with the same, with the glory I had with you before the world began. Very interesting. Although we will, I will give you more time to 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 understand this phrase it's basically telling us that jesus christ is really what eternal before jesus became man jesus already experienced that glory with the father before the universe was created before there was anything in the universe there was only the father the son and the holy spirit and they share the same glory Jesus is not lesser than the Father. They are equal to each other in glory. That's what this verse means. And that is why St. Paul says, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with what? With the glory that will reveal in us. Amen? See? Fixing our eyes on the goal. Why should we be willing to suffer to be discomforted here on earth so that we can finish the work. Why? Because the goal is what? The glory of the Father and the Father, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit will share that glory to us. Amen? So so Paul is saying, Christians, listen. No amount of suffering in this world will ever force you to quit. Think of the glory. You see? always think of the glory think of the prize in heaven you can do it every christian is given the holy spirit to finish the race no one should be quitting in the middle because you are always focused the glory you know you say you know the, the the problems i'm suffering today pastor you don't know the pain i'm suffering you know pastor you don't know yes it's true I don't know but Jesus knows (laughs) and Jesus is giving you the same power to endure amen so no Christian can say I cannot endure you can endure he has given us that ability through his spirit that is why Paul our main you know this is our main passage I press on towards the goal to win the prize. You see? Pressing on. Keep on pressing on. Which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Friends, there's too many wonderful things in heaven that I want to accomplish, I want to receive, so I cannot compromise the work here. Amen? You and I, we don't compromise. There's just too many wonderful things at stake if we do that. Fix your eyes on the goal. That's how Jesus Christ finished well. And then finally, final thing we find in the life of Jesus is this. Forward your dream with a strategy. Forward. You know, the other word for forward is when we use it in in social media. Can you forward the file? Can you forward the picture? (laughs) And that's what Jesus did. He simply forwarded the job. <laughs> Jesus says, I finish it. Now you continue what I have completed. And that's what Jesus said before He ascended to heaven. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Friends, know this. That's a powerful word. When you understand that, okay and i'm tempted to preach this but i'm not going to preach this because we have a whole series about this it's a powerful statement when you truly understand that not even satan can stop you (laughs) why because that authority is in jesus and when you have jesus christ you have that authority over demons amen all authority and then jesus said Therefore, what's the strategy? Go, make disciples, baptize them. That's the strategy. As you go, make disciples. That's how Jesus forwarded the dream. Jesus said, this dream, this mission, this plan was was given to me by my Father. I finished it. I died for it. You don't have to add anything. You simply have to forward it. You see? You don't have to edit it. It's perfect. The death of Christ, His resurrection, is already perfect. It's so good. That's why it's called Good News. All we have to do is to forward it. By going, by making disciples, by baptizing, and by teaching them to obey. And you know what Jesus said? I am with you always. Say always. He's always with us. Friends, this promise has a premise. When we do the strategy of Christ, when we go make disciples, when we baptize, and when we teach everything that God has commanded us, you know the promise? He's always with us. No Christian should feel alone. Because you are never walking alone. Jesus is walking with you to finish well. Friends, somebody said, success without a successor is a failure. Success without a successor is a failure. And let me personalize this challenge. We have families here, right? You start with your home you start discipleship with your children see it's so important we don't want to go back to that generation wherein a lot of you know the parents are all active they're all growing in the lord but the next generation are gone so sad you start with your own family teach your children to love Jesus to love the things the work of Jesus and here's a very personal thing that I find it very important. Teach your children to love their church. See? I see this. If the, if the children love their church, I see this. They will serve the Lord. See? Because if we don't teach that to our children, if we just give them a concept, that, you know, it's, it's the important thing is that you love Jesus and that's all. You know what will happen along the way? They will just be gone. Because we just didn't just love Jesus, just follow Jesus. No, train them to love their church. You know why? Because Jesus used the church as the main machinery of discipleship. When they are not integrated to the church, I tell you, sorry na lang, Teach them to love, teach them to be involved in the work of the church. Because when children are involved in the church, they will really serve the Lord. Because it's the main training ground. The, that's where discipleship happens. Sunday school, see, Bible studies, b groups. Forward the dream, you know, with a strategy. And as I close, brethren, what a wonderful, wonderful promise we have. Saint Paul said this. Can I finish this, Pastor? Can I finish this dream this year? I don't know. But here's what I know, and here's what Paul knew. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you and in me, will what? Will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Friends, the perseverance of the saints is actually perseverance of god you and i can persevere because we are being powered by someone higher than us god will do it you just have to believe him claim that promise lord you began a good work in my children lord finish it to completion lord you began a good work in our family finish it to completion do not allow the devil to steal what God has given you. Claim that power. Be confident that he who began a good work will carry it on to completion so that you and I one day will face Jesus Christ and hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant. Let's pray. Father, we give you back glory and honor. Thank you, Lord, for this series. Lord, give us all the commitment, the power. Give us all the confidence to pursue, to persist, to pray, to perform well, to prioritize, Lord, so that we can all finish well. And Jesus Christ is right there in the finish line, cheering for us, applauding for us. And we're surrounded with all this cloud of witnesses also encouraging us to run, to face, to finish the race. And Father, we pray like Paul, we can all say, by your grace, Father, we have fought a good fight we have finished the race and we have kept the faith. In Jesus' name, Amen.